0: This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we've got a listener-sponsored review of the classic 1990 movie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Plus, the Venom sequel releases its first trailer. All the Spider-Man movies are coming to Disney+. Plus. This year's Golden Globes has been canceled. And how Marvel makes movies years before they even film anything. All that and more in this week's edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, May 10th, 2021. Yo, 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 this is Rob Liefeld, creator of Deadpool, Cable, X-Force, Domino. You are listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. You want the most up-to-date comic movie and TV news? You found it. Fun? You bet. Puppets? With substance abuse issues? Oddly, yes. Only here on the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Does it get any better than this? I don't think so. Listen, Rob Liefeld, creator of all the stuff you love saying to you listen to the jock
1: and nerd podcast so sexy so awesome i never miss it and uh it's my favorite thing in forever it's spectacular it's awesome i love it jock and nerd
0: check,
1: check one.
0: all right this is really fans out there let's give it up what's up hello and welcome listener to the jock and nerd podcast where we give you comic book and superhero tv and movie news reviews and whatever we choose jock and nerd my name is imran and my name is Rugboy. he's the jerk He's the Terry. <laughs> Welcome to the Jerk and turn Pod. What happened? What? Oh, my God.
1: The fuck? Oh, what well, happened Well, we here? have no jock
0: today. We're jockless. The jock is M-I-A. Bro, do you even podcast? We are jockless, listener, because uh, just a little while ago, before we started recording, Anthony let us know that his little puppy, Logan, adorable little puppy, Oh, so adorable! And scratched his eyeball on his cornea. Oh shit! See, I always
1: thought Anthony would end up blind, but <laughs>
0: masturbating, not from a dog, not scratch. from a little doggy scratch. So, <laughs> as you can imagine, it's painful cornea scratch. He'll be fine. Send him your good vibes. Let him know you're thinking about him. But this is why rugs nerds wear glasses. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's why you do it. Not because you can't see. Well, that's also part. That's also because I was watching TV from when I was like a toddler. Right up Mm. close. Listen, I got seven foster puppies and that made me think of, boy, I'm glad I have badass eyesight because those little fuckers are going to be swiping at my eyeballs uh, any day now. How does a dog step on your eye? I guess you have to be on the ground. Well, either if you're on the ground or you're holding it up and playing with it. And it's kind oh, of like you you're know. doing like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the circle of life from the Lion yes, King. Yes, if you're doing a Kuna Matata, you could get a little <laughs> swipe across uh, the face. But yeah, if you're roughhousing on the ground, if you're roughhousing with this dog, they're going to get you. They're going nice. to get you. Anthony, I hope you heal up and maybe you'll wear a cool eye patch and make it trendy. Oh, Nick like? Fury, Anthony. Listen, Anthony's rocking the business mullet and the eye patch. That, oh, shit. that could be a new look evil anthony evil anthony yes yeah he's and he's got plans uh, to take over the world now anthony could just grow a soul patch we'd be yeah. we're I'm a goatee we'd yeah, be in business. we could write a movie okay well look the this roller coaster of a fucking podcast is gonna go on we're gonna continue on rugs we got some geek news to talk about let's get to it the jock, the jock and jock. nerd podcast yeah. Oh, just today, Sony released their first trailer for the sequel to their 2018 Spider-Man, less Spider-Man character movie, Venom. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, official trailer. Uh, This thing opens wide only in theaters. They they make sure to mention that. September 24th, this one directed by Andy Serkis. Geek boner. Uh Of mocap fame. Whoa. Written by Kelly Marcel, who she wrote on the first movie with like four, three, or four other people. This one is just her. It seems all Kelly, all Andy Serkis, Rugs. Uh, what'd you think, Slumpy uh, Jock? Give for this Venom sequel. I feel like I've seen this movie before, and
1: it was called Venom. And It one. was
0: called Venom. It was called Venom the first. Yes, <laughs> I feel like it's exactly the same movie. Is that a bad? Thing there's no origin part.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like more of the same.
0: I don't know. Is I, I mean, are you a huge Carnage fan? You know, not really. It was he was cool when he first got introduced because he was just like crazy and a and a yeah, serial and psychotic. He didn't know what he was gonna do, but it's cartoony, over the top. I'll tell you what I like. I think I like that they are just digging into this they're like this is just going to be campy and goofy and silly. Like we're going to So if you're going to do that, fucking dig into that. And it looks like because of this opening where Venom is cooking Eddie Brock breakfast uh and there's a sign on the wall that says rules, no eating people. It's so fucking goofy and campy and cartoony. Yeah. I don't know what the tone is this this is the tone. Do you like this tone?
1: I don't know. I mean like as I said, I watched Venom once, and I, it was <laughs> fine. I wasn't really impressed by it. I would, never felt the need to go back and revisit it. So um, this feels like the same to me. I guess they're leaning into like the comedy more, and you know how I Absolutely. feel about that. I always feel like sometimes it's a crutch. Yeah. I mean, these things are absurd, and it might be fun to obs- like uh, observe some of that. But um, yeah, I mean... At the same time, it makes you ask, introduces a lot of questions if you're trying to, because comedy, when you do comedy, like, basically you break all rules, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but you can't ask questions, and I like to, like, ask questions, I like to challenge the movie, but, like, so it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, you got me, I can't do it now, it's a comedy, you fuckers,
0: <laughs> and I, it makes me annoyed. It's not a complete comedy, obviously, it has, the, like, the first one, but... Uh, Andy Serkis directing is very interesting what he's going to add because like you said it it just looks like the first one there doesn't seem to be much difference on the outside Does uh, Tom Hardy's voice a little different why does he sound like Louis Armstrong it's a little cartoony he sounds like Candyman or, yeah it seems a little bit like over the top but Tom Hardy had fun in the first one. I expected him to start singing, feed me, Seymour. Yeah, well, that it also reminded me of Little Shop of Horrors with the tentacles. And also kind of, look, it reminds me, it's kind of like a throwback. It reminds me of the movie we're going to review later. It's a little bit like a throwback, 80s, old school, really bad. You know it's bad, but they're kind of like uh, digging, diving into that and doubling down on the camp right. on purpose. But if you're doing it on purpose and you do it well, well, it's not. It's not wrong. There's nothing wrong. It, it. There is a line. You can
1: do any genre if you're doing the genre well, and you're aware of what you're doing, and everyone's in on it, and we're all along for the ride. Like Deadpool, for example.
0: Yeah. Then you can do it. That's a good example. So I feel like this is this is their stake in the ground. Uh, I. It's funny how people know Venom and the old lady is like, "Hi, Venom," and just like he's just they're just the odd couple. It's a very odd couple is also weird. Easter eggs is Sony fucking with us because there's a shot of Cletus squashing a spider. And then there's a shot of the daily bugle. This guy reading the daily bugle. And this is the Sam Raimi masthead of the daily bugle. So I don't know what that means.
1: Clues, clues, clues. They're never going to touch it. (laughs) They're
0: just going to dangle it for you to be like, Oh, Easter eggs. Uh, I do appreciate that uh, Woody Harrelson's not wearing that ridiculous wig. I think they ditched the stupid wig. Really? Is it different? I couldn't tell. It's That wig was like long and curly and like it was, this is, he's got like a <laughs> short. He looked like Bozo the Clown. Yeah, he looked at, now he looks, it still looks bad. But Ruggs, you get a look at Venom, at Carnage, sorry, at the end. What did you think of our first look at Carnage? I mean, it looks kind of like
1: Carnage, but, like, I never was really impressed with Carnage ever in in the first place. So, I mean, I like the fact that he was a psychopath, but, I mean, he, we can make weapons with
0: his uh, his tendrils. The tendrils could be cool, but it does kind of look like all the other generic symbiotes, and it's just red. Yeah, I mean, what
1: happened is, okay, so when initially when Venom came out, Venom was just Spider-Man with, with teeth. That's it really and then carnage came out and carnage was like all the shit you can do with with the symbiote and now like everybody all the symbiotes do the same shit so it's like what's that different you know like they all make shit they all can make whatever shit that they want you got this one's making breakfast you know like you know it's it's like i hope yeah yeah, so it kind of uh like even in spider-man 3 the the symbiote didn't do anything besides
0: be his costume you know Well, the beauty was these symbiotes never tripped Peter Parker's Spider-Sense, so and that was huge. Nothing else did that. But in these movies, there's no fucking Spider-Man, so you can't really do anything. And also, I think we're going to see, you got a quick first look at Shriek, Nomi Harris, and I think this other symbiote, Toxin? Is gonna be in it also. I don't know. I'm. This looks horrible. Obviously, it looks bad. It looks campy. But I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in if they're going to lean into the camp and the badness. You're you're gonna be into whatever it
1: is because you love (laughs) all this shit. I mean, like I'm probably I'm gonna watch it and I'm gonna probably like you know enjoy it in the moment and then never watch it again. (laughs)
0: Let (laughs) there be garbage. Let there be garbage. Maybe more like it. No, I (laughs) don't. I
1: feel like. Look, it looks like um, if you like the other Venom, you're probably going to get more of the same in this one. So if you like the last one, you're probably going to like this one.
0: Just give me a moment. Like Tom Hardy sitting in the fucking tank eating lobster. Like the whole movie should be like that. Just dive into that. I'm sure he's going to be eating all kinds of weird things in this. September 24th, only in theaters, Sony says. So they're not streaming this thing anywhere immediately. Listener, let us know. What you thought of this trailer. Join the conversation. We have a fun Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. It's closed, exclusive, just for you listening right now. We're all in there. We can hang out. You can meet us. It's a lot of fun. Uh, other bits of Sony's Spider-Man-less Marvel Universe. Uh, Jared Leto's Morbius. Remember we saw that trailer? That also had a picture of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man on the poster on the wall. What the fuck is going on here? Oh, shit.
1: They're doing it because they can. They own that Spider-Man. They can do whatever the fuck they want.
0: They're fucking with me, Rux. Anyways, this thing was supposed to come out summer last year, 2020. Then it got moved to 2021. Then it got moved to January 21st, 2022. And now it's been moved again to January 28th, 2022. So if anybody's excited for that Jared Leto movie, you're going to have to wait another It's
1: week. a long time from now, and so it'll come out on streaming before it ever comes
0: out. <laughs> People are going to catch it. Mark on my words. Maybe whatever happens in Spider Man No Way Home, if some of these other universes are involved, will clear some of this up. Like, why is Sony fucking with this? Speaking of Sony and Spider Man, though, Rugs, all of Spider Man's movies, and I mean all of the Spider Man movies, can finally come to Disney Plus. Geek boner. You know, we discussed a few weeks ago they made a deal with Netflix. So the order of things was going to be in the theaters. Then streaming on Netflix pay one window, right? Then Sony turns around and makes another multi-year agreement for the next pay window with Disney Plus. Oh shit! Okay, this multi-year agreement will allow Disney's streaming platforms to stream titles from Sony's library, like Hotel Transylvania. All the Spider-Man so, films.
1: So Sony's double-dipping. They're getting money from Netflix oh, yes. and money from they,
0: Disney. They are very smart. So uh, Disney can also stream Sony's library on Hulu and Disney Plus starting in June. Uh, it also includes traditional TV, which means Disney can also air Sony films on its linear networks like ABC and FX. New releases – From 2022 to 2026 will come to Disney Plus after their initial run on Netflix, which is the deal they made earlier. Uh, This makes Sony one of the most prominent studios to commit to not hoarding its own IP for a new proprietary streaming service. We talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Right. Sony's strategy is different. Is this a good idea?
1: Listen, there's so many people doing the same thing. It's always good to have one person who's not. Yes. And. I think it's a good strategy because, like, they don't have to invest in uh, all of this
0: infrastructure. Uh, pe- and Infrastructure tech. Yeah. getting
1: people to be uh, members and sign up pay. for another
0: fucking thing. Yeah. They
1: could just get that mo- that sweet check, and they know it's there, and they could spend. They're probably getting shitloads of money, for, like for the first run.
0: So I heard, read somewhere estimated the two deals combined, the Netflix and Disney deal, Sony stands to make about. Three fucking billion dollars. Oh, yeah. Without
1: spending a cent, really. Yes. I mean, uh, that they wouldn't have already spent.
0: But we were just talking about Morbius and these Venom. When, it, when they come time to stream, it's going to be really easy to get it on Netflix. And then they're all going to come to Disney Plus. It's crazy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, why
1: is Disney getting sloppy seconds? Why do they want it? I, I I don't know. I think they. And this is just all to get the three Spider-Man movies well, that they made. It's
0: yes. But then it's also the other two uh, Spider-Man movies, which are not on Disney plus because of the Sony deal. Home Homecoming and Far From Home. So that's like a total of six Spider-Man movies. No, I'm saying. Oh, I no, mean, there's five, six, seven, eight. It would be eight movies. I'm just
1: saying the three that they made that MGU made. Those are the ones that they want on Disney, obviously, because it's part of the MCU.
0: Those three, but they can add the Sam Raimi movies and the Mark Webb movies is what I'm saying. Oh, they can have all eight fucking movies on there.
1: Right, but I'm just saying that I feel like they paid a lot of money for Sloppy for Seconds. So just to get three movies, basically. It's not, he- but
0: it's not just three movies. Like It's their entire library. They, can, they have access to the entire Sony library, just like Netflix will get it first. They can put all their shit on their linear and... Streaming platform that's huge. That's
1: a lot. But it all it all has to go through Netflix first. So the then you, new releases
0: like, do. New releases go through Netflix first. Old stuff they can probably just shove it on Disney Plus right away.
1: Oh, okay. So then they don't have to
0: wait for Netflix to run it. Then no, only the new stuff from twenty twenty two to I mean, twenty twenty. Makes it a little bit better. This is uh, this is very exciting. It's uh, to be able to get all these on these different platforms. And the Sony strategy is interesting. Disney needs whatever it can
1: get because. All the stuff we've all seen already. We've seen everything on Disney Plus except for, like, the one-half-hour show that came out this week.
0: That's a good point. They need to increase their back catalog so you're like, now I can watch all, like, eight Spider-Man movies in one fucking place. That would be wild. I like that. It would be
1: pretty cool. Right? I mean, the difference between Disney Plus and Netflix is that Netflix, you turn on Netflix and there's so much new shit you have no idea what to fucking look at. No, it's
0: too much new shit. Just, and then when you yeah, hit,
1: and the Disney Plus is a complete opposite. You're like, I've seen all this shit already. They're classics and yeah. I've seen them, but I've seen And it. there's like one new show with yeah. one episode yeah. that's a half hour long. Like, yeah. okay,
0: who's getting ripped off? Well, <laughs> speaking of Disney Plus, uh, we have some news on Loki. I don't know if you saw this little announcement video
1: yeah i did it
0: starts with an announcement and then tom hiddleston interrupts saying hey wednesdays are the new fridays loki is now premiering wednesday june 9th and to me rugs i don't know about you this is the most offensive shit disney could do they fucked our recording schedule strategy when we changed it to capitalize on friday fucking releases this is some bullshit right here
1: I guess we got to change it
0: back. No, we're not changing it back. That's not. We already. So you're gonna have to listen to a week behind reviews. The show will come out, and then that next week's Loki will be out the same day. Whatever, you'll figure it out. It's not our fault, listener. We try. <laughs> they fucked us. They fucked us. Disney fucked us again. Yeah. Uh, other TV news, rugs. have you been following this Golden Globe story? I know we don't really talk about the Globes, but this year with Anthony, we talked a lot about these ceremonies and awards. That... I heard that Tom Cruise is trying oh, to get some press. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, that might be what's happening. So ever since they aired this year, Golden Globes has been getting a lot of shit, a lot of criticism. They've come under fire because out of their 87 members of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. There's not one black person in the group. First of all, it's only 87 people that votes for these things. It's ridiculous. They are being accused from everything from discriminatory practices to accepting freebies that could sway their judgment. Scar Joe recently has been very vocal this week. Uh, alleging sexist questions and remarks by certain hfpa members that bordered on sexual harassment and tom cruise's stunt to be relevant in the public eye as he is shooting mission impossible 7 is to return three fucking golden globe awards oh he gave back his globes for jerry Maguire, born on the fourth of july and magnolia now on top of all that, today, they just announced they are canceling the Golden Globes ah. for 2022. Oh, shit. It's not happening. Maybe it comes back 2023. These The Globes are kind of a joke anyway, Ruggs. Any comment on this? This is kind of crazy.
1: I don't know. I mean, look, people are, want- people are demanding stuff, and I guess they got to get their shit together and uh, answer some of these demands if they want to stay relevant, and if they don't want to... They could say fuck you and this is how it works and they can do that too. So I don't know. It's a weird precarious position when you have something yeah, and then like you have some, something the way it works and the way it's always been done. And then people like all of a sudden want to be like, hey, well, we're not going to watch this shit because, you know, you're not including a bunch of people. And you're like, all right, well, they got to do something about that. And if they don't. Then you, you know, I can understand people being pissed off. So So, they
0: were doing something. There was a vote to reform, to widen its membership, apparently. Not enough for NBC, I guess.
1: The question that I have, and this is the thing that I'm just curious about. I don't know for sure. I'm just asking a question. The Hollywood Foreign Press, right? They're these. Is that like a. Does that mean anything? Is that like. Are they actually people working in Hollywood Foreign Press or is it just like a, a name that that an umbrella and there's people members and who knows how they get to be members. Oh,
0: it is confusing. So according to Wikipedia, Hollywood foreign press is a non profit organization of journalists, photographers who report on the entertainment industry activity and interest in the U S for so, media. like, basically it's, a, it's a volunteer, right? It's non profit, 90 members from 55
1: countries. So like, is there a bunch of people that are trying to become members of the Hollywood? How do you press become are, a member? That,
0: that is a good question. Because
1: that—that's the the question that I ask is like, are they seriously going? Listen, we don't want any you know, any people that are not old white people to be part of this organization. And for doing that, then that's wrong. But if it's just like, hey, no one's applying or no one's in this, be no one's part of this organization. And that's just who it is, it is, what it is. Then I think that's a different story, but I don't know. I don't really know anything about wow, it.
0: Wow. So. It's weird. Requirements for active membership include primary residence in Southern California. You have to live there and you have to prove that you, you write stuff and submit clips to remain active. Yeah. I don't know. The clubs are a joke. They've been a joke all the time. So I am just, I just wonder
1: if there's a conspiracy the, uh, uh, play here or is it just, it's just really weird. Like I, I'm an old person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Are you? And I just can't fathom just get in a room with the other people and go, we got to keep these people out. Right. Oh, you know, like I just, I'm like, does that really happen? I'm like, unless, and we're talking about California. I, mean, I can understand if this was in fucking Arkansas or some shit, like, oh, you know,
0: you're not going to get in our club. This is, you know? uh, yeah, this is Southern California. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. It's like, was this done intentionally or just did it just yeah, happen? Yeah, I just
1: and, don't know. I mean, I don't know. So We'll
0: see if anybody picks up the Globes. Maybe another network is like, you know what? We'll show it. You're giving this up? I don't know. Listener, if you want some podcast swag, visit our Public shop. It's at jockandnerd.com slash shop. You can get t-shirts, face masks, uh, pillows, mugs with our logo with fun sayings, our old logo, new logo. There's sales in the last two weeks of May, so check back. Bookmark the page. There's always a sale over there. Uh, You can get a good deal on t-shirts. It's slash shop. Rugs, the last thing I wanted to discuss with you real quick. you, You shared this video with Anthony and myself. Right. A very interesting video from uh, Movies Insider. The title, How Marvel Actually Makes Movies Years Before Filming. Oh, shit. A lot of interesting things. Can you tell us a little bit about what this video is about? Well,
1: it's highlighting that how basically... Okay, so everybody always asks the question, why is Marvel... uh, How come everything kind of flows together and they seem to have... Everything locked down, and what is and the Marvel method? The method, yeah. or like how Kevin Feige has control over all these movies and kind of keeps all the ducks in a row. It's because he actually is fucking doing that. All right, they um they previs the whole entire movie, figure it out, and then they hire the director and bring everybody aboard. They they have a vision before a director even comes That's in. That's crazy, and. I could think maybe a director that they have faith in or they, 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 whatever, they might be able to come in and move some parts around, but for the most part, they're there to capture the performances and maybe tool around with some of the dialogue and get, and get the maximum punch out of the dialogue scenes because the action sequences, all of that stuff, like, uh, you know, shots, you know, uh, like, all the stylistic shots you could think of that you thought the director thought of a lot of them? Yeah. Really, no. I mean, I'm oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, okay, um, a director can come in and go, I would like to do, you have to do this shot, but I, I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to do it the way you thought I was going to do it with a sound stage. I'm going to go and do a, a in-camera shot or something like that. I think that's what Chloe Zhao up to. Mm-hmm. She's going to go, I can do this without the uh, I wonder the how much
0: previs there. They got to have previs for her action or, scenes, though. Yeah, so
1: I'm sure that they're probably giving some directors some leeway, but... Also in the doc, it also says that there's some directors that turn it down just because they're like, don't worry about the action
0: scenes. Don't worry about any of the effect shots. Right. You just direct the actors. Yeah, and and, and some people uh, were like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I shared yes. this video in our Facebook group. The, a couple of fascinating things I learned. It was just really interesting because I'm watching this, and just like you said, what does a director on Marvel movies do? Because pre is everything. The huge scenes, they pre like Endgame, it looks the, – the Russo brothers followed the exact previs, right? Uh, not only the action scenes, though. This is what surprised me. They will previs emotional scenes, comedic moments. They previs just the drama and the dialogue scenes. And, yeah, like you said, they do this sometimes before a cinematographer or director is picked. And then there's tech viz where all those numbers are put into the cameras and they're all computer operated and everything lines up and then there's post biz. this company uh third floor apparently has done yeah a- they're basically directing all the yes, movies they're another director oh, they're shit. another cinematographer they are another artist uh production designer well, on i think the movies they're the key people because the directors
1: aren't coming in with their vision they're not coming in going all right this is Zack snyder this is what he did he's like this is my vision right i have this i want to do this this is what i want to do and it's it's uniquely his vision. Fucking Warner Brothers has no idea what they're doing. No, they're not to They might be previs, but they don't know they they're not gonna be able to, to iron it through and push it through.
0: But Marvel does. They so they do, they bring up the point that this Marvel method of movies does enable them to hire It'll, indie directors it doesn't limit them to hiring big budget directors who you know how to uh, handle special effects right so they can hire the taika waititi's and the ryan coogler's and
1: why what's good about that they pay them nothing well yes they can exert control over them and they can hire they can hire to market the director as a marketing tool
0: <laughs> so and on the on the opposite point of this you're never going to get like a james cameron who's going to want to do one of these movies there's no way. He's like, oh, fuck you. I'm not going to have you figure everything. that's Why do you, why am I here for? So you will never get a blockbuster director to do it. But then like, I think that maybe Raimi's got the most pull. And oh, I think you maybe we did Whedon, get a Raimi. That
1: is. A and good I think point. maybe Whedon, like, well, think about this. This is, but I think Favreau was, I think Favreau uh, is the guy who really like, who made the Marvel method, who like figured out the formula. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then Whedon came along and yes. then probably yes. that's when they started doing stuff. But like all of these uh, previous shots, you don't really, see, you didn't really see the Avengers shots as much as the end game stuff and all of this, all of the kind of this second wave of Marvel movies.
0: But I do agree. I think Ramy may get a little more leeway, but definitely for like the Russo brothers who came from like community and you know Taika Waititi's and the other ones, they're going to give them everything that you know. How we talked about the shit is on rails. This video shows you the rails. It was really interesting to see and to think about now when they choose directors. Where are you actually seeing this director? I think that style? you're
1: seeing it in dialogue and in performances and directions. because a director can direct a actor and get the performance that they want out of them. All right, that's number one. So a director can go, listen, I want you to play it like this or that one isn't right. I want you to kind of and, and not only that, but they could cut the shots and do the shots to give them more emphasis. So I think that they they have that that ability and they could also I think they could alter dialogue. I think that 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 might be something that they're open to, especially if they're bringing someone like Taika Waititi, maybe who's,
0: improv stuff. And who's and famous so for
1: yeah. who's famous for and they probably do one by the book. Right. And then one have fun with it. Yeah, I to have fun with it and then maybe some of that gets into the movie.
0: Well, yeah, you think about like Peyton Reed on Ant-Man and like the charming chemistry, you know, those guys have and it's and it's funny, the jokes are kind of good. Uh, it's got a great comedic sensibility. And then, yeah, you think about James Gunn, comedy is different than the Taika Waititi comedy. But they showed the shot in Endgame where, you know, Hulk's sitting at the table and he takes the selfie, like that was all previz, but I guess cuz Hulk was in there, I don't know. It's it's yeah, maybe
1: it's an effect shot, so they have to figure it out, you know. But, um, look, uh, I've we've discussed this a thousand times about like art and product, yeah, yep. So it's become a commodity now, these movies. Well, Marvel's making a product, yeah, MCU
0: films are a product. There, there is room for artistry in it, and you see it, but you see the artistry, and it started as art as an independent company, you still see the artistry in the production design. But then you think of like a movie like Captain Marvel, where the action really wasn't the problem, right? The action was fine. No. It was the rest of the fucking movie was the problem. Who directed that movie? Nobody that was, even remembers. Yeah, it was the Anna Boden and somebody. Flick. That was, it was we, we was need a couple. girl director. We need a woman director. It was a woman and a guy Just, pair. Yes, pair. We need a we need a woman's name and on this movie. They had, and did then, not get so a second movie. Also, probably. no. So. Yeah.
1: So, um, it is a marketing tool. They can do, oh, we have an uh, Academy award-winning director. We yeah. have a director yeah. that's up and coming that people like, are, they like their movies. It's even, I, f- I find it to be better when the directors are at least in genre. Like James Gunn is in genre. Yeah, right? so yeah, yeah. James Gunn is all about this shit. So he brings his sensibility. Like when you have somebody directing Captain Marvel that doesn't really, you know, have a, their their movies are not really action movies're not really genre films and the, you, you kind of can feel like oh this is not uh not really clicking
0: but at the same time black panther is very much kind of a ryan kugler movie you know thor ragnarok very much is it really how much teeth. is
1: that how much you do you know that is that as previous or not
0: it's probably you don't a lot, know no a lot of that i'm sure was fucking and previs. that is the problem
1: i don't know when the previous ends right and the, and the director begins yeah like yeah. at what point a director's job is to be there to get the shots to get the performances and to do that but like if the director shows up and the shots already set up for them and all they have to do is say action and cut. I like this shot. This one's better. Let's do it like this. I think that the directors are maybe doing instead of a hundred percent of the, the vision or, or, or which is probably never, but like, unless they are doing their own, like Chloe Zhao's nomad land, that was her movie, right? She, she, that was all of her decision making yep, yep, yep. her focus. Yep. She pushed for all of it, whatever. I think in this situation, the best you could hope for is maybe getting 30 or 40% of what you want.
0: You're you're probably right. Uh, I think this formula also leads to like Gerald Morris always says this Marvel fatigue, right? Because it tends to get a little formulaic, which is why occasionally when something like this fucking goofy venom, let the Pre carnage comes along, you're like, Oh shit. uh, This is fun in an old school, silly way. And it's, you know, possibly unexpected. And, gonna be bad but it's gonna be different so i like having both things
1: yeah i mean one of the things i think is funny though is that you hear like when they announced dr strange right right before they even hired the director they started telling you it was going to be like this weird wacky movie or whatever it really wasn't that wacky or that weird it had a couple of trippy shots and that was it yeah yeah so We go into these things thinking that we're... I think that they have it all figured out, the exact tone before they go in because they're talking a lot about like they know exactly what the movie's going to be before it's
0: made. Yeah, years before it's made, so I can't imagine all the shit he's got mapped out for the next six years. Good stuff. Check out the video listener link in the show notes. Let us know what you think, yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, fascinating and it's good to know while watching these movies. Let's take a quick break here. Play some promos. We're going to come back and reminisce about one of the best pop culture franchises from our childhood, rugs right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your
1: attention. If you ever believed Captain America was on the U.S. Olympic soccer team... If you ever thought that the Winter Soldier was that brace-yourselves guy on the internet...
0: And if you ever wondered just what would a raccoon do with a machine gun...
1: Then don't let another week pass you by without tuning into... Mighty Mighty Marvel Geeks. Mighty Marvel Geeks is your show about all things Marvel. With news, rumors, commentary, and interviews. As well as our weekly recommendations on what to pick up on new comic book day...
0: Official consulting hours are between 8 and 5 every other Thursday. That's Mighty Marvel Geeks on WeebyGeeks.net, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts.
1: Hello, this is Storycrafter Mike from the Steamrollers Adventure Podcast, and you're listening to... The Jackie!
0: Nerd podcast. Hey Michael, between the two of us, I think I am the jock.
1: You're actually more like rugboy.
0: Nope, I am totes the jock.
1: Okay, then who are the Pittsburgh Steelers?
0: A marauding band of aliens who use giant laser cutters to carve off a slice of Pennsylvania to take back to their home world.
1: Hey rugboy, if you wanna come moonlight on our show, we just had an opening.
0: What? Enter. Oh, that's Anthony's voice. We miss you, Anthony. Listener, if you've been enjoying the show, sign up for our fan club. Visit slash Patreon. Jock And you can support the show for as little as $3 a month. Gets you access to an exclusive bonus RSS podcast feed where the shows come out early. There's a movie reviews, post shows, a jock sports show, bonus content just for our. Patreon fan club members. Uh, $10 or more a month, listener, gets you something special. What it gets you is a movie pick. You can pick any movie, any good movie, any horrible movie, and force us to watch it and review it. Oh, shit. It's a lot of fun. We've done a lot of these. We're going to do another one right now. So if you want a movie pick of your very own, sign up. Joggernerd.com slash Patreon. Okay, rugs. This week's review is sponsored by listener and patron Jay Davis. All right. Jay has been a patron of ours for 26 months. Oh, wow. Uh, And just this past December upgraded to the $10 a month level. Thank you, Jay. He has picked the movie 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Here's your spoiler alert.
1: Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time.
0: Holy shit, I couldn't be happier for this pick. <laughs> Spoilers on a movie that's fucking forever old. Yeah, it's about 30 years old there. sorry. Right. Yeah, Spoilers yeah. if you've never seen it. Uh, but you can watch this on the HBO Max, available to watch all the Turtles movies. Uh, of course, this is the Turtles, a franchise. Rugs. have you realized this franchise has dominated so many different types of media and pop culture for over 30 years now? Oh, shit. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, it's, I thought it was going to die. It never did. It's always like gone uh, another turn or another yeah. version's coming out. It
0: gets another bump and some. Um, it gets some juice. So, uh, this first movie, based on the characters created by the comic book writer artist team of Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. That's right. Rotten Tomatoes, this first movie from 1990, is sitting at 40%. Uh, uh, this number is not, I, I don't agree with this number. It's 5.1 out of 10 audience rating. 81% box office wise. This, uh, this is kind of an independent movie rugs as all the major studios turned this down. Yeah. <laughs> it was eventually <sighs> released by new line, which was an independent movie studio at the time. they did, like horror movies mostly. Yeah. And by, and by 1990, they weren't doing much. Now we had seen up until now, Movies like He Man, uh, uh, Masters of the Universe, Howard the Duck, not do well. Lame. So studios were hesitant. The budget of this movie, $13.5 million. This movie opens up to $25 million, right? At the time, the biggest opening weekend for an independent film, and it finishes making $200 million on this 13.5 million domestic box office budget.
1: only right so
0: no uh worldwide 200 million oh, dom- really? domestic 135 oh that's pretty still good still very good for a 13 million dollar budget uh this movie directed by Steve Barron who do you know this guy Ruggs? he directed hey, he did, he did <laughs> Billy Jean and and Take it on Me right he did Didn't all he? the huge iconic 80s videos including take on me and Billie jean and tons of other things all like the ones you remember from the 80s this guy directed it and then i just let's to bring everyone up to speed here's a quick timeline rugs of the popularity and where this came from up until 1990 i think it's important 1983 eastman and laird start mirage studios out of a room in this house they move in together it's not a studio it's just a room in 1984 Based on a joke drawing, the first issue of t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is self-printed. They printed 3,000 copies. They used their own tax refund money Oh shit. to print these books, the, and they were inspired by such books as Frank Miller's Daredevil and Ronin, Dave Sims' Cerebus, another independent book at the time, and The New Mutants. This initially starts the indie comics boom of the 80s that I loved. I remember this. It was very exciting. Yeah, there was a lot of them. So- they printed three thousand copies of the first issue. Then I had to do a six thousand print reprint. By issue eight, they are printing and selling one hundred and thirty five thousand copies of this. Oh fucking book. shit! Now, in comparison, Spider Man in the past few years, an average issue of Spider Man sells for like one hundred and twenty five. sells one hundred twenty five thousand copies. These, if they're lucky, if they're lucky, these guys on their own dime in the eighties, independent, black and white. We're outselling out Spider-Man a 20, a 30 years later. It's crazy. Okay, so 1986. The Just f- sad about our comic Right? History. It's a little <laughs> bit sad. 1986, the toys come out. And uh, it reaches another height of uh, pop culture fandom. 1987, of course, the first cartoon animated series uh, that added them pretty much into pop culture. Added the pizza. Added the colored bandanas. The cowabunga shit. This fucking show... I used to watch this. I loved it. It ran from 1987 to 1996. Oh, shit. 1989, the NES video game comes out and the arcade game comes out, both of which I remember vividly and both of which I loved and I had. Yeah, and it just continued. And then we hit 1990, where I feel like by the time this movie came out, rugs the hype, they, they had peaked. They were ubiquitous. Like it was almost coming off of that first peak. There at was like a
1: stage show after this. Yes, they,
0: after this movie, they went on and they sang. They sang songs. They were a it band. It was like a live action yes. show. The shit went crazy. So run. They freaking yeah. milked
1: it for everything it was worth.
0: So first of all, tell me your history with the turtles because I discovered them before they got big. I remember the black and white comics. I fucking loved them. I remember finding out the toys were coming out. I'm like 14 in 1990 when this movie comes out. I bought the toys. I love the cartoon, even though they fucking made it kitty, And uh, I was all in and it was a gritty ninja comic book. That was fucking dope.
1: How old are you in seventh grade? Are you like 11 or something?
0: Yeah. No, oh, no. You're like 12,
1: 13. All right. So in seventh grade, I would, I would say like 11 or 11. 12. Maybe you're 11
0: or 12. Okay. You're right. Okay. 11. So 11,
1: like 11 or 12 in seventh grade or something like that. I'm not sure there was a comic book store not too far from where I lived and I could ride my bike there and I would go and buy comics and, uh, they were pretty big into Indies and the Ninja Turtles collected editions had just come out. So they had to add those initial print runs of like the singles and like, you know, not everything comes out in trade paperback like immediately now, but then, you know, it had to be out for a while before they would put the trade paperback out. And the first, trade paperbacks with color, with color covers came out and I remember oh I gotta fucking buy these yeah. so uh, you know the next time I had like birthday money or whatever I went and I fucking bought them and uh, I read them and I was like oh this shit is fucking badass like the the drawings were really weird and it looked like very indie like it wasn't like This clean, pristine—it didn't look like it was made for kids at all. It It wasn't. It was kind of—it
0: was violent, and there was like blood and stuff. Big boobs everywhere. Yeah, there's big boobs, and you know, of course, they all had—they didn't have colored bandanas, and you just had to... no none of that shit. It was all—they were like real ninjas, and you just knew them by their weapon that they had. Yeah, and then um, I heard that this this show was coming on. I was like,
1: oh, they're gonna do this on TV. I'm like. (laughs) What's it gonna be like? It's yeah. like every single time that they make a cartoon out of like like anything that was on Image Comics or anything like that was like always bad. Yeah, <laughs> or anything like. But at, at this time, it is before. This is
0: before any of this. This is stuff. before all that. So this is still the eighties yeah. when everything is to sell toys. Obviously, you know, yeah, cartoons so, are to sell toys. So it came out, and I was like, "Hey, this isn't bad." The, the
1: the it's catchy and uh, April O'Neil they upgraded April O'Neil because she
0: looked like really weird in the yeah the yeah she did and now she's in a yellow jumpsuit. Listen, the theme song is iconic. Everybody remembers the theme song. The animation to the opening of the cartoon was really good. Yeah. It was fucking slick anime. So then when they're like, we're going to make a movie, I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. How the fuck are they going to do this? And this thing comes out with these animatronic heads, rugs. I watched it again uh, just this past weekend on Friday. Did you get a chance to watch it yeah, again? Yeah, watch it again. All sure. right. So the plot, obviously, who doesn't know? The, I don't think we have to explain the plot. Who doesn't know the fucking plot of a Teenage Mutant Ninja the Turtles? They're four turtles. They're ninjas. They got to save their master, Splinter, who's a rat. They're all mutated. And they got friends like April O'Neil, Casey Jones. And they got to fight Shredder and the Foot Clan. The story is, all right,
1: first of all, this is 1980s or 1990s New York, but it looks like 1980s New York. Or
0: even 70s. Like, Yeah, uh. it
1: looks like super gritty. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. Love that, that. They, sh- yeah. they got this gritty feel, this dark feel of New York yeah. where everything's just, just, I mean, this is a kid's
0: movie. I know.
1: All right? It <laughs> looks so bleak. Yeah. And there's a crime wave happening all over New York where these ninjas are fucking stealing shit. And, you know, then that's where you meet April O'Neil, and she's covering the story, and the policemen look like idiots because they're not able to fucking do anything. She uh, runs into the turtles. She meets these four ninja turtles, and um, basically she's fucking freaked out, and they they learn about the story about the ooze, and they just kind of, like, put it in there. Like, there was some ooze there, and uh, they know these... And it's very matter of fact, no one questions it. Yep, yep. No one asks, like, why there's giant turtles. Yep. You know, like, they walk around in trench coats and with their feet hanging out and their face obviously seeing, like, oh, you're just some kind of weird skinhead or something. You know, like, that's what they think. (laughs) Domehead. Domehead. But, I mean, this is funny because at the time, you know, people were walking around dressed like really crazy all the time in New York anyway. So maybe something like that could fly in New York. You, suspe- suspension, well, you wouldn't
0: bat an eye now if somebody walked by looking like a giant turtle. He'd be like, oh, yeah, it's New York. So
1: <laughs> anyhow, tr- she's beats the turtles and she starts to put in two and two together. Like there's ninjas here. There's ninjas there. Maybe there's. And finally, there's a little kid involved. Danny, right? Danny is the kid.
0: That's the son of her boss Yep, at the newspaper or TV station. She's and a reporter he
1: gets mixed up with this, the foot clan, which is the, the ninja gang that's taken over all of New York. And, um, they're training
0: kids to be pickpockets and ninjas, I guess.
1: Yeah. Be, and I don't know what the, what the end result, what they, what they're, what they want. Do they ever say what they want? The foot clan. No, they just want to be powerful. Sh- I'm not sure. They just want to run the crime. I think they just want, I don't know. They have to shut up this reporter cause she's reporting on them. And you know, causing the police to fucking crack down. So the ninjas go and go to get April. And in the meantime, they stumble upon the Ninja Turtles and the Ninja Turtles are there. Cause they're all like hot for April. And they're all hanging out with it. It's like their first human friend, I think. Is it you me know? or do
0: these turtles want to fuck April so badly every time <laughs> they're like catcalling her on the TV? They're like, what a babe. I was like, calm down there, fucking Donatello. Jesus. I mean, you know, they're the teenagers. They got they, they got hormones. They don't know how to act.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. It's a very good point. So um after that, um basically uh Splinter was their 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 parent gets kidnapped and then it becomes the turtles have to have to get splinter back from from sh- from the shredder and then it turns out just like in every hollywood movie that splinter and shredder actually know they each have other have a
0: connection dun, dun, dun. And, uh, yeah
1: and uh, they're all like fucking ancient enemies from uh not like from like a long ago and they have a score to settle and uh, the ninja turtles take on shredder and ultimately, um, get their ass handed to them by Shredder. And it, it's up to Splinter to easily, in one fell swoop, barely an
0: inconvenience at all for Splinter. Yeah, for him to destroy <laughs> the
1: Shredder and throw him into a garbage can yeah. where Casey Jones crushes him into Just oblivion to be there and in a the kid's button. movie.
0: So <laughs> let me tell you, watching this again, I, my, I confirmed what I thought is that this fucking movie still holds up, right? In a weird throwback, listen, 80s timeless way. It has this charm of like a Howard, the duck or a willow or a ghostbusters uh, or a secret of nim. This is Jim Henson animatronic fucking heads. The suits still look great, the heads still look amazing. Like it holds up. You, we were just talking about you
1: know the Marvel method, where they do animatics, have it all figured out before they even go. Yeah, this is They'll the even opposite. Hire the guy. This is opposite. Had, somebody had the fucking figure. All of this shit had not been done before. Yes. <laughs> all right. They had a fucking budget of thirteen million dollars. That doesn't even pay Robert Downey Jr.'s laundry to get yeah, done. Yeah, it does
0: not. It won't even all pay right? for one sandwich for him on set. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: it's amazing. They had to they, they had to do that. They had they had hired out Jim Henson's Creature Shop to do the uh, animatronics. They did a fucking fabulous job. I'm going to just say movie magic. Yes. That's what it's magic. Real practical effects like, movie magic. This is what I call like look, is the movie probable in any way is the script great? Are the jokes good? Probably not. No.
0: All right. Uh, is it dated as fuck? Yes, but it, there is magic there. I think it's timeless. It has like a weird timeless quality about it that you know. It's stuck I feel in like its if period. you're like if you're
1: like a kid that hasn't been fucking inundated with bullshit and you're open minded to this movie, this you movie can capture it? your yes. imagination.
0: You know, and the suits look like shit in the later movies, but in this first movie, Jim Henson said at the time. Uh, this is the most advanced shit he had ever done, and Jim Henson's Creature Workshop never works on outside things. And I think after this, they didn't ever again. I think Jim Henson died like shortly after. I think he, I think you are right, but he said this is the most advanced shit. It took two puppeteers per head for per suit, and these suits weighed seventy fucking pounds. Oh shit! That the stuntman. And the actors they uh, had to do karate. In. And you see them doing karate in the suit and it doesn't look that bad. I'm like, oh, my God, look at the guy. It, you know, it also has like a Hong Kong man in suit Godzilla kind of feel to it with yeah. the man in suit. And it works. There's something charming. Uh, shout out to the cast. Of course, you have Judith Hogue as April O'Neil. I love Ilias Kodias as Casey Jones. Just like edgy and dark enough. And I love the set design. Like you said, it's, it's a kid's movie. They combined a lot of the grittier aspects from the comic book and then took a little bit. I mean, it was
1: bloodless. Uh, You know, you know, like Leonardo, they never spend time on Leonardo. Like Leonardo gets shafted in this movie because he's got the weapons that do the most damage. Yes. And you can't really show him
0: using his swords and not doing anything with them. Like a Wolverine. It's like a Wolverine deal. You can't have him slicing ninjas up. I love how the ninjas look like the comic book. Um, so as far as the Four Turtles, here's a case of you have a guy in suit, you have a stuntman for the same character, and then you have the voice for the same character, right? So David Foreman played Leonardo, Brian Tochi did the voice of Leonardo, Leif Tilden plays Donatello, Corey Feldman, which is why this movie is an awesome, like, 80s movie. You have fucking Corey Feldman doing the voice it's of Donatello. Corey. You got a Corey, and it's perfect. You got Mark. Michelin Sisti as Michelangelo. Robbie Riss doing the voice of Michelangelo. And then, this is the best part, Raphael played and voiced by the same guy, Josh Pius, which is why I think Raphael kind of is, like, the strongest character-wise that comes out of this you kind of f- feel you get connect more with him. Uh, yeah, he's got that he does have that very New York swagger. Perfect New York swagger.
1: Yeah, he's the guy he's the guy in the cab. Yes. When when Raphael rolls over it and he's and he's on the way to the airport, that's the guy in yeah, the car so that is the guy
0: who's playing it. Josh Pius is in the cab. All these guys got cameos. Mike, the guy who played Michelangelo was the pizza delivery guy. Right, The guy who played Donatello was a foot ninja that had lines when they meet him in the subway. And the guy who played Leonardo was a gang member with a red bandana behind Tatsu uh, in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love Raphael. One of my favorite lines from this movie that I always remember to this day is when Raphael goes, Cricket? Nobody understands cricket. You got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. Oh, shit. <laughs> the best yeah, fucking line. It's, it's the best that that line. is a good one. Yeah, I like that <laughs> one, too. And then you have cheesy lines like, I love being a turtle. And then he's like, Bossa Nova? Uh, Chevy Nova? <laughs> and they're like cowabunga.
1: Or when they're when they're fixing the car and they're like going on the insulting each other with the alphabet. Oh yeah. So he's
0: like, Europe, yeah, where are we on? Gee. All right, hack face. <laughs> 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 that was kind of funny.
1: That's like a throwback to like a sandlot type of stuff. Yeah, or the, yeah. or weird, like, you know, a child uh, coming of age movie where you have that kind
0: of stupid humor. That's like kids safe, but it works like the arcade hideout that the clan, the foot uses, you know, the front of it is like this, the fucking best arcade hangout. I wanted to go there. There's kids smoking cigarettes, playing video games. They're gambling. There's a roulette wheel for some reason oh, next to the video games. And then in the back, they're trading them to be ninjas. That's dope. Where is this place? Why didn't I hang out there when I was like, the electric bill must be fucking crazy. Fuck. That looks like fun, <laughs> dude. They got like a dance dance revolution machine over there. Skate ramp. They got it. Yeah. They had skate ramps. I was like, when I was a kid, I was like, I want to, I want to join the foot. I want to fucking go here. Speaking of the daredevil influence, uh, you know, this, but I want to point out how influenced they were by daredevil in the comic book, the origin. Uh, it says it's, they've said it's literally the same canister of toxic ooze that daredevil pushed the guy out of the way and made him daredevil. That ooze went into the sewers and mutated them. Right. Right. Uh, in daredevil, the ninjas are called the hand here. They're called the foot yeah. in daredevil. His mentor is stick here. It's splinter. And he's a rat. I love that. I love though, the homage to the daredevil.
1: Oh, it was definitely a takeoff on daredevil. And you know, lone wolf and cub and all those fucking crazy ass Frank Miller comics that came out. And that's why I liked it. Cause I love Frank Miller. So yeah. I was like, Oh, this is fucking right up my alley. But the cartoon was on another level. It was more of a campy, but it would still had a narrative
0: to it. it like did. you still had, you had aliens and shit. It had the catchers, line. Yeah. I just remember when this the indie comics boom came out, man. I was it was like 1986, 87, 88. I just discovered comic books, and it was the first time where I was the thought came to mind like I you can make your own fucking comic book, you can like make your own and print it and get big just like the Marvel guys. Like this is crazy that this is a thing. So it well, was very you exciting. had Cerebus. you had
1: the Tick, yeah. you had Yoshagi, you Jimbo, flaming ended up being carrot, the, the flaming carrot. Yeah, uh, you had uh, you had so many. Um, there was a
0: lot of rabbit ones. There, yeah, that was Yosagi Yojimbo was a rabbit samurai. I remember reading like Ninja High School was a great book. Uh, <laughs> there was all these crazy, and there was a lot of. They also started the trend of anthropomorphizing animals. Like there was like Ninja Hamster book. There was tons of knockoffs. Also, when yeah, the books oh yeah, there was so many. Like everybody was like grabbing an animal and samurai pizza m- cats. Yeah, they would just <laughs> make it mutant and teenage and ninja and make a different animal. Is hilarious. Look, there's
1: no reason that this comic book should even have. Have even taken off?
0: No, it was, it was a, it was a joke drawing between them, but this is what happens is when you, when you have it
1: and it's, it's magic. It really is magic. Like there's no really a rhyme or reason why Thundercats is cool or, or, or he-man is cool or GI Joe. It just, you're at the right place at the right time and it connects and it's magical. and, people respond to it. And I was one of those people that responded to Ninja Turtles. And, uh, you know, everybody that I know has got Ninja Turtles in their blood. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. has, ha- has grown up with them and, and, even um, some of the younger people that I know, like they have a different different version of the turtles. They've that rebooted they rebooted it because yeah. Nickelodeon owns them, I think, right? Yes, so,
0: in two thousand and nine, Viacom bought all the rights to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Off, I think Laird had sold them to Eastman first, and he was out, and then they bought it all from Eastman or something, or the other way around. I wonder how much he got. I don't know, but they're not involved anymore, and they've rebooted it several times, and you're right. Every generation, though, I I think it's a thing that's always going to be around. You can reboot this every so often. Uh, A couple other behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, The stuntmen said they lost 20 pounds wearing these suits. In fact, one of them got ill, and Ernie Race Jr. Remember Ernie Race Jr.? Yes, of course. He came in to substitute. I loved Ernie Race Jr. He was on that show, and he was like a little kid, karate kid. Uh, What was that called? Uh, Sidekicks. Sidekicks was fucking dope. (laughs) Yeah, these suits were insane. I like how they changed April O'Neil's yellow jumpsuit to like a yellow raincoat because the jumpsuit in live action probably doesn't look that good. I don't know. Did she have? Was the cartoon out? The cartoon was out. The cartoon was out a few years earlier. It started. It was in the Uh. peak when this came out. There's a couple of errors too. You can see. Uh, the moment in April's apartment where Leo and Raphael are arguing, there's a shot where you see a dude with a red hat crouched behind the table. I think it's a crewman, but he's clearly trying to hide and he's not doing a good job of, of fucking hiding. And then occasionally you see like the shells are rubbery and the swords are rubbery and it's fun. Like it adds to like the realness and the, the camp and the charm. Well, at that time, think about it. Now we can look back at,
1: but that's about as good as it was going to get at the time. That was amazing
0: yeah. for the time. You're like, I can't believe they can they can do these animatronic expressions on these heads. Did you notice the creepiest part, though? The part where Raphael's in the bathtub at the end and he wakes up and they come back and Donatello's there and he opens his mouth really wide and laughs. And you see the fucking guy's eyes oh, shit. through his mouth. <laughs> it's very creepy. I did not catch that, but yeah. I'm gonna do that. Oh my now. god, it's scary. And they opened his mouth to, and he tilts his head back and you see like the dude in there. It's weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but i so they can see out the mouth is basically what you're saying.
0: Yeah. That's where I mean, the, you know, they had to time everything with but these puppeteers. About, like, how do you fucking do karate when you can barely see? I don't is know. The stuntman, the stuntman suits were a little bit lighter, but they were still heavy. But I don't know. They were doing legit roundhouse kicks and flips and like oh, dancing and a lot of crazy moves in these suits. It was very impressive. You don't do stuff like this anymore. Oh, you don't they don't. See it. They
1: just don't. They don't need to. But I mean, it's just crazy that it it happened. And this is one of those examples that when you ask, like animatronics. How far can you go with them? And you could literally have four turtles talking and emoting. And, you know, there's times where they're crying and they're upset that splinters dead. And then there's times that they're laughing and there's times where they are lots of range of emotions and they really, is it the most like realistic way of doing it? No, but it works in its own way. I mean, I think around the same time, little, Shop of Horrors came out. Oh uh, yeah, and, what year was and that? And the plant was yeah. really well done too. And so yeah, yeah. I think that you have two great examples of what you can do with puppeteering.
0: Little Shop is a great example. Nineteen eighty six, so four years earlier. Yeah, And yeah. that puppeteering was amazing. Uh, I mean, the guy playing uh, Raphael, Josh Pice, who did the body and the voice, he also had a little bit of claustrophobia, and he said he used that in the character. Which is who did you? Who did? Who was your favorite in the movie? Oh, I like Raphael. Yeah, I but. think Raph was my like favorite. I
1: like I was uh on the TV show I was a Leonardo guy. Ah. And in the comics I was a Leonardo well, guy. Leo was but... the
0: more the, the de facto leader, wasn't he? Well, I, I said, Well, just and he's katanas. got the most deadly weapons. Yes. Although Donatello's bow staff is a great long range weapon. Nobody's getting close to you.
1: Yeah, but you're got fucking two katanas. You just you slice destroy and everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, one's getting near me with two katanas that I know how to wield. There's not going to happen. Raphael's
0: Weapons is the most up close, but I I love the, the nunchuck scene in this movie where he's there's a nunchuck off with the ninja. It's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I
1: remember all that the breakdancing and the skateboarding in the sewers. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's great.
0: The sets the, were the great. Set, the, sewer, the production design, the sewer set, all of that looked great. And uh, $13
1: million, everyone. Amazing. Amazing. $13 million. This, Just think about okay, that.
0: Okay. So here's the big question. We've had. Six teenage mutant ninja turtle movies. Yeah, you had this one, then you had Secrets of the Ooze with Vanilla Ice. Was that the second one? Yeah. Then you had uh, just Teenage Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time, where they go back to ancient Japan. Then you had uh, the 2007 TMNT, which is that one was the it was animated and it was pretty good. Then you had then we get to Michael Bay 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hard reboot now. Then he's got a sequel, Out of the Shadows 2016. You bring in Krang and Rocksteady and Bebop and all this crazy shit. Now, those new movies, if you compare the feeling, it's just not the same. First of all, I don't like their fucking nose-snout design things. It looks dumb. I love the way the turtles look. I used to draw them all the time, I remember, when Why I was a Why are they the size of The Incredible Hulk? They're they giant. Be. They're teenagers, so the size is better in this original movie. And I maintain... That this original movie is still the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie out by there yet, by far, oh, yes, <laughs> by far. Okay, we can all agree, on
1: by that. far. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched the, the. I mean, you got Megan Fox; that's a big score. But like, other than that, <laughs> you got. The, I mean, Judith Hogue is way better of an actress. Than better
0: that. of an actress, Megan Fox, a little bit of an upgrade. But the uh, what? Stephen Mellis, Casey Jones. I don't know. I like Elise least Cote seems a little more edgier no. as
1: Casey Jones. <laughs> Elias Codius would fucking wipe the floor oh, with absolutely fucking green
0: arrow. <laughs> absolutely, he will fuck you up. All right, well, let's rate the movie then. What would you give this movie? We've already said it is the best TMNT movie. I out mean, there. I Live just action. I'm
1: sorry, but I saw this when did it come out? 1990? 1990. I must have been, I must have been like what 15 or 16. Yeah, man. I and that I, I was a teenager when I saw it, and I thought it was a little cheesy, but really fun. And as an old man now watching it, I still think it's got a lot of magic left to it. And I think that, yes, I could see it's got a lot of dated cheesiness, but at the same time, I still get so much enjoyment of it. And I love like everything about it. Like the, like how they squeezed this kind of really unapologetic yeah. version of the comic book for $13 million
0: with Jim Henson, Fucking genius That's animatronics. The get. It couldn't have been done without Henson. Peter, uh, Eastman and Laird talk about the moment they turn the corner on the set and they just see the four fucking turtles standing there. It fucking blew them away. They were like, oh, my God, this is happening. <laughs> so it's magical. It's fucking wild. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah.
1: I mean, there is some karate in there. It's not the greatest, but, like, there's still, it's pretty good. Like, you know, for a kid's movie. I mean, this is, think about this. This is a kid's movie. I mean, it's got some stuff for adults in there too. It's not all kitty, but like it, it, it straddles the line. It's the '80s, like the '80s movies, like the kids' movies were not that kitty, right? And like you know, things would happen, like you'd kill the bad I guy. I miss that. Yes,
0: yes, you would. And
1: and um, you know, it would be there was some mean spirited shit in there, calling people freaks and stuff like that. You know, like it was. I still think. I'm glad that this movie exists and I'm glad that I, wa- I mean, I'm glad to watch it. I, I, I didn't like, it wasn't a chore to rewatch. No. It
0: It brought back a lot of fun memories. Jay so, Davis, I wanted to thank Jay Davis for making me watch this again, because absolutely was enjoyable and nostalgia. And if you're a kid from the eighties or nineties, I don't think you can't not like this. One of my favorite scenes in
1: the movie is when, okay, so splinter, they think he's dead or they don't know what happened to him. And then all of a sudden they're training and, and then Leonardo feels him, right? Or Raphael feels him. Oh, yeah, yeah, they him. sense each other. They sense each other. And then they, go and they, do, they do the fucking it's splinter the force. seance.
0: Yeah, it's like the fucking, oh, that's right. And he shows up like a fucking force ghost. And he and fucking shit.
1: gives, he starts dropping this fucking Knowledge. heavy fucking yeah. speech. Yeah, it's so And great. they're all crying. I'm like, they don't do this anymore. This is, there was some, like, there was some effort to try and bring some gravitas to this Absolutely. thing. And it, 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 it was weird in a seance, but like, and it's fucking crazy and weird. But I mean, that type of shit in the 80s was like like very common. They just like want you to go with it. And movies today can't do that because we're all like all about, you know, we're better than that. I guess now we're, we're like so much more sophisticated in how our movies are. That's why we're like, you know, but when we look at this film, as I said, I look at every movie according to like how and why it was made. This was not a giant. Marvel studios that has billions of dollars and access to the top talent and top writers. This movie should not never even come out. Nobody wanted to make this movie. And then an independent company made it with $13 million doing shit that they, like that they have never done before and doing a a property that who the fuck's going to go watch this movie? Like this is something that would come out. Uh, it, by fucking trauma films or something like on a B movie basis, like pretty this is much. Gonna be a, so, against all odds, this this movie existed and profited, and it still remains to be a movie that I would I enjoy to this day. If I'm gonna give it a rating on a scale of one to ten, I'm gonna give it a six point five. Uh, I I, I want to say seven, but just just because like a lot of the stuff is dated and but the fun it's 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 better than average it's a lot it's, it's actually a few points better than average it's, it's a good fun watch if you and to some people it might be a 10 and i'll totally see it but i'm just just erring on the side of criticality i don't know if that even is that even a word i don't even know <laughs> it is but, now yeah is this criticality a word? <laughs> That's going to be a big joke in the forums. Uh,
0: anyway. I'm going to give this fuck. I loved. I've loved the Ninja Turtles ever since I discovered them in the late '80s as a teenage comic book collector. This is still an eight. This is an eight for me. The nostalgia, the fact, what you said for thirteen and a half million dollars, they made these the yeah. animatronic heads. The suits look great. The, it's charming. It reminds me of great 80s kids' adventure movies. Uh, absolutely top notch. And I, yeah, I think it still holds up. It surprisingly still holds up like very to my way.
1: little inner child or my inner teenager that went to see this, I still liked it a lot. So, I mean, I remember when I saw it, I was like, oh, when that comes out on, on DVD, or I don't remember if it was DVDs by back then. When this comes out on video, I'm getting it.
0: I was a 14-year-old nerd who watched, who read comic books and bought the toys and watched the cartoon. I think I even taped the fucking cartoon so I wouldn't miss it. And I saw this in the theater uh, when it came out, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> and then, you know, Batman had just come out the year before. So there was a lot of fun things happening in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, the, here's the future, rugs. I think we talked about this a while ago, but the next thing planned... Uh, in June of last year, they announced that they're going to be rebooting the Turtles with a CG animated film with Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, producing. Uh, it will be directed by the Mitchells vs. the Machines co-director, Jeff Rowe. With, oh, so it's going to be choppy. So yeah, it's good <laughs> if it's Sony's making it. I wonder if Sony's going to make it uh, with a script by neighbors co screenwriter Brendan O'Brien and Nickelodeon president has described the project as next level reinvention of the property. And I think you know they didn't they introduce like different turtles in the new one. I think this thing it's could, like a girl turtle there was a girl that was wearing pink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a girl turtle. I think this IP can live on for a long, long, long
1: time. I mean. They introduced the girl turtle in the cartoon back in the 80s, right?
0: So, I, at some point. I think so. Towards Aphrodite
1: the end. Or something like that. Yeah, towards
0: know. the end of the series. But, man, that show ran forever. Good stuff. Jay Davis, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for the this movie pick. Thanks for taking me back. Uh, I still have the toys. I have the original toys in my mom's house. I was going to bust them out i wonder if they're Oh, worth i anything. still have tur- i got turtle toys around here somewhere remember the video game remember the nes game it was frustratingly hard at i remember times. i remember the arcade the game arcade with great. the four up uh you could play whatever turtle you wanted it was fucking fantastic drop in it was a good time i mean it was a good time
1: that um tmnt movie that came out that cg wasn't bad
0: that one's pretty good i like that one 2007
1: the only, I didn't like the whole uh, like wacky bad guys. I don't even remember the of, bad guys, but yeah, they were so like boilerplate. Like they weren't like special at all. I remember that
0: they looked cool and the animation was pretty slick, and it was kind of a little edgier. Yeah, I like the whole brother versus brother story. Yeah. It was good. Good stuff. Okay, let's do some news from the nation. It's time, it's time for news, news from the na- nation. <laughs> it's time for news from the nation
1: it stinks it stinks
0: it stinks somebody light a match rugs we have a fucking voicemail oh shit the speak the speak pike button still works apparently somebody just used it here it is
1: what up, fellas? It's your boy, Mr. Throwback Thursday from the Mr. Throwback Thursday podcast. Uh, I was calling to see why nobody ever talks about Razorline Line comics. Uh, I was a big, huge Clive Barker fan, and when Razorline, Line, you know, Marvel put out Razorline, Line, I was all excited, and then they disappeared. So uh, I was wondering if you guys had any information on what happened, and can we possibly see them a resurgence in this, day, in this uh, new day and age?
0: All right keep doing what you're doing
1: and uh I holla
0: yeah jamie robinson Checking nerd. thank you mr throwback there's a great old school hip-hop podcast check it out great question rugs are you familiar with Razorline comics
1: um no um i usually if i see the word clive barker i just headed the other no, direction not a clive barker fan are you? i mean <laughs> no, I, to be honest with you i don't this even know great <laughs> To be honest, I don't know really anything that he's done. Like, I mean, I know of his films, and I I just haven't seen them. I just know that they he did Night Nightbreed and shit like that. Well,
0: it's starting uh, with horror novels, uh, right. of course, right? And then uh, plays and other things. Yeah, a horror. I mean, appearance. why do you think? Why do you think that, that no one's talking
1: about Nightbreed now and all, all of his It's
0: a good question. Horror fans do love the Clive Barker. So for those who don't know, this was an imprint under Marvel Comics, Rage Line, it ran from 1993 to 1995, not very long at all, created by filmmaker and horror fantasy novelist Clive Barker, and these characters existed in another Earth outside the mainstream Earth 616 in the Marvel universe. There was four interrelated titles and these all lasted about nine or 10 issues. This thing didn't last long. Yeah. Uh, one was called Ecto Kid, which was first written by James Robinson and then written by Lana Wachowski rugs wrote Ecto Kid. This was his like Ecto. Kid. Yeah. So this was his teenage super superhero version. Uh, then there was Hokum and hex, which was kind of his doctor strange type Book. then there was hyperkind which was his more superhero comic and then saint sinner was just some weird thing uh that he had so anyways these four things uh the problem with this was the timing because if you notice these years 1993 to 1995 what was happening in comics uh, those years rex the Rob Layfield exodus of uh, image. The oversaturation of uh, variant covers and die cuts and the printing of millions of comics. This is when Spider Man had 75 fucking titles and they were all about oh, clones. Yeah. So the industry was super saturated with shit nobody wanted. And I feel like uh, these with Razor Line imprint got buried before it even had a chance. To gain an audience, you know? I mean, I I do recognize some of these titles,
1: but I don't uh, ever recall reading them.
0: So, for Jamie, I don't think it's coming back. However, I found an article from last October. Clive Barker revealed that Ecto Kid is being developed into a TV series. Geek boner! So, you might... See uh, Ecto Kid come back up. Ecto Kid is about this dude, Dexter Mungo. (laughs) He's a teenager. He's able to interact with dangerous alternate dimension known as the Ectosphere due to the fact that his father is a ghost and his mother is immortal. So this lady fucked a ghost and had a half ghost kid. And his name is Ecto Kid, which ran for nine issues uh, and then was canceled would you read ecto kid i don't know i am kind of uh interested in how you fuck a ghost though if you actually tell me you know like you you think about it how did this happen but it is clive Parker. uh so i don't know we may see ghosts fucking on our tv screen in the near future uh mr throwback thursday i hope that answers your question thank you for the voicemail A next comment is about our last episode, rugs. We reviewed Invincible. Paul Gunter said, "Another great episode. <laughs> the only reason I watched Invincible and Resident Alien is because of the buzz you all gave, and I'm very glad I did. What a fantastic journey in the show! Thank you all, Younger nerd I love when we all go on these journeys together. Rugs, isn't that fun? Yeah, what." If- what a, a platform is Resident Alien on again? Resident Alien is on Sci-Fi. The first whole first season is out. It is fucking okay. charming. Alan Tudyk pretending to be an alien, pretending to be a, an Earthling. Uh, it's great. I gotta watch that. It's great. It's got the opening credits has a great little gag every episode where you know, like the uh, the pamphlets in the in the airplanes on what you do if there's an emergency or whatever. There's little infogram drawings. The opening of the show, every episode, there's little drawings about how to be human, and it shows him what not to do. Like, don't eat people, but shake their hands in drawings, and they're different every episode. It's really clever. That's cute. Yeah, it's very cute, very good first season. And, of course, you know what we thought about Invincible. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad everyone enjoyed that journey. Daryl Kay's comment will take us into what are we watching, Rugs. Here's the big one. Daryl K says, "Has anyone started watching Jupiter's Legacy on Netflix? Because oof, it is not good. Ah, lame, yeah. So let's just slide into what are we watching? Rugs. I've watched the first six episodes of Jupiter's Legacy. You? I watched the whole thing. Oh, oh shit. Okay. So here's what we're gonna do. I don't think Anthony is watching this on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's thirty four percent, uh, seventy four percent audience score." And I haven't seen the last two episodes. I'm going to finish it out without spoiling the end. I think we just reviewed this thing right here, right now. Rugs, I know you have a lot of thoughts. And we could get this out. I won't spoil the end for you. Okay, don't spoil the end. Let's just get this out and we can move on with our lives because I don't know how many people are going to watch this. Spoiler I mean,
1: according to what I'm seeing, <laughs> Mark Miller uh, posting on Twitter, yeah. like, everybody in the entire universe is watching. It's number one on, in every country. Big facts. That's big
0: facts. No cap right there. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh shit! So it Is could it be Mark hyperbole. Is it? I don't no. know. Um,
1: I don't see any buzz on it uh, on our on our feed except for this one question that we yeah, had.
0: People don't seem to like it. So you read the comic books and you've watched the whole eight seasons, eight episodes. I've first read. Season.
1: Okay, so let's let's just let me just knock a few things out and then we can talk about it in, in, in detail. Jupiter's Legacy came out like a, a few years ago, and that tells the story of. The, the the um what's the name of the fucking group again?
0: Uh Um, they are called the, the, union, the Union, the Union, and so the Union of the Union of Justice or whatever. The Utopian is the main guy, yeah.
1: So the Union of Justice, like the Hall of Justice, is like the Justice League, right? And it's these uh six or seven people that have powers just like the Justice League. And there's a Superman, except all of them are kind of like Superman, except they all have a specialty. Uh huh. All right, so um. So Utopian can do can fire beams out of his head, and you have one guy that can fly and has super strength, but he also has mind control. Brainwave. Then you have another guy that is um that is all that and has like technokinesis. Okay, he can, can control objects and he could make things out of objects. You got someone who can run fast, you know, and then you got a uh one of them that could knows if you're lying. Which is like the Wonder Woman character uh, okay, all right, so they're all these um these people who got their powers like when no one had powers like back th- it happened in the twenties or after the um the stock market crash right. and this guy kind of has these visions of this island and he's being called to this island, so every all of his friends think he's crazy he's this like rich guy who lost all of his money in the stock market, and he goes to this island and he's chosen and given these powers. Anyhow, and all of the people that he brought with him are also chosen, and they, and they all get powers. And, and for a while, they're they're like superheroes, and they're, they have this code that they don't kill anybody and that they don't get involved in governing because they're all powerful. And they, they can literally take over the world, and they have to make, make a point not to do that. You cut to the future, and they've been alive for like 100 years or like 90 so years or something age like slowly. that.
0: slowly. Once they got the powers, they started aging Yeah, they slower. start aging
1: very slowly. Okay. So anyway, they're like... 90 years old after that and um they have kids and a lot of these, these superheroes have kids now and they're for some reason there's people with powers everywhere and i think that uh, in the show they show like did you get to this part yet
0: uh, i got to episode i watched up to episode six Where they got the powers or no? No, they're still... Well, I know the island story, so this was kind of the frustrating thing is the take they took fucking forever to get to the island because on the show they're cutting back from 1929 to present day constantly and dragging out the... I'm like, get to the fucking island. I know you get to an island. They
1: they could have spent one episode on it. Oh my God. Yeah,
0: it takes forever. And I'm like, I know this happens when... So by episode six, at the end... They, I'm just going to spoil it. Spoiler alert. They reached the island at the very end. Yeah. That's where I'm at. So anyhow, you're going to see this. I'm just going to spoil this for okay. you. Okay. I don't care because this show, I'll tell, I'll tell when, you w- When
1: Basically, when they, get, they finally get their powers, right, I feel like everybody in the world gets it because you see a wave kind of oh. engulf the world. So certain people whoever was in proximity of this could possibly because get
0: i thought well. the interesting thing about that was it was kind of like a royal bloodline thing like it was only these people and their kids that control we the powers like nobody else you're gonna, gonna see powers.
1: something just pay attention to this part when they get the powers and the blast that comes off
0: okay okay the island.
1: okay and you see what happens with that and i think pay that think a lot of people miss that interesting okay okay so anyway long story short you cut to the future, they have kids, and they have powers, and um, they're trying to, like, um, they've been at this for a while, and the world's still a shitty place, and they, and it's getting worse because now there's, like, so many more people with powers. They seem to be multiplying and fucking causing lots of trouble. And the um, it's kind of like Kingdom Come. Yeah. Where, like, the bad guys are now, like, exponentially more diabolical than they ever were before, and they're, like, it, 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 there's more of them. Right, and-
0: which brings out the second interesting thing that these this show tries to tackle is if you have a no-kill policy and you're constantly, like Batman, putting Joker in Arkham Asylum and Joker escapes, you gotta go catch him again. After 90 years, and after the villains get more extreme, do you still need to stick to this code? What, you know, right. what is gonna happen? So, that in itself... That's the,
1: crux, that's the crux of this
0: show. But the show doesn't seem to know what it's about a little bit
1: <laughs> no okay now telling you from the so anyway jupiter's legacy is the story of the kids right so that comic came out first and then they did jupiter's circle which tells you all of the backstory of because like basically uh the way jupiter's legacy star- starts out in the comics is You see them get their powers. They go to the island, they get their powers and then they jump to the future where they have kids. Okay. You never see them be superheroes.
0: Mark Millar moves things a lot, a lot quicker in his books. That makes sense. Yeah. So, (laughs) and
1: all of a sudden it's about the kids and like, and they're talking about how their parents are these perfect, like examples of, of, of heroism. They can never live up to it and blah, blah, blah. And then they go and they do Jupiter's circle, which is the story of, of the, uh, the union, uh, the, the union of justice or whatever and how they really weren't perfect, and they they were flawed, and whatever, and they they did make mistakes and shit like I that. I started
0: reading this, but Frank Quietly takes so long to finish pages that I lost interest and didn't continue reading it, because yeah. I didn't know when the next fucking book was coming out. Okay. Yeah, you had to wait forever. And now they're doing, there's another uh, part to this that
1: still hasn't come out yet, and um mark miller says he's gonna release it soon so um, okay
0: so that's the setup rugs big question what'd you think of the show and why is it bad,
1: bad. okay <laughs> the most the okay so i'm sitting there i'm like i'm i'm all in on this because i like jupiter's legacy i like that it's like kingdom come it explores different things um it moves really quickly and jupiter's legacy has some fucking amazing fight sequences in it like in the Oh, in yeah? the comics really in the comics. Yeah, the, Frank quietly, like the way he draws people getting their ass kicked. It's amazing. Yeah, you'd see a little bit of that in this. Not much. Now, this show. Is terrible in comparison, like it doesn't Lame. exceed your expectations. In fact, what it does is it it changes the story from the comics and makes it t- to spread it out more, decompresses it. Yeah, what it's basically the in in the comics, um, you you have this uh, the kids and the and the problem daddy issues and stuff like that, but they manifest in a completely different way. For example, uh, Paragon, all right, which is the which Utopian's is, kid. Yes, in this, he's a uh, like a a kid that wants to please his dad that could never measure up to his dad. And um but he's trying to be a hero and he, he makes a couple of mistakes. In the comic, he doesn't even wear a costume, oh. he doesn't go by the name wow. Paragon. Wow. He doesn't give a shit about anything. In fact, he hates his dad and never wants to oh, speak wow. to him.
0: Well that's the daughter in the show, Chloe. And the daughter hates the daughter's dad. even worse. The daughter oh. the daughter's the same they both hate their parents. So he can't get any respect from his kids, the yeah. utopian after all this so, time. Hmm.
1: And And then what happens is having those two kids being so hateful towards their father accelerates the plot faster in Mark Miller's comic. Uh. And so in this, they kind of they kind of switch the character. So he wants to please his dad. So now it's going to take him a long time to start hating his dad. He's like already they planted the seed. But now this is you see that he's getting frustrated with his father as the show goes on. Right. Yeah. So. And he's he's having daddy issues. Well, he got so grounded,
0: that, and he was told to stay put on the farm. Right. Yeah. So basically, what they're doing
1: is they're denying some major stuff that's supposed to happen they to tell the story way for, too much.
0: They slowed this down way yeah, too much. So
1: they pumped the brakes on on it to let it like. It's kind of weird because Mark Miller's books are way too quick. All right. They're like, you blow right through them. Yeah, but right? this is you, they, they went the opposite extreme with this. And they needed to yeah, I think they should have pumped the brakes on a few things and let and, and developed some some characters a little better than in the comics and explain like the alien or uh, the what happens, who gives them the powers and this and that, and why and how the superheroes, how the villains are like all these things they left unexplained in the in, in the comic. But they didn't do any of that. They kind of just stretched things out so you get more of um The utopian and you get more of them going to the island and like you don't need all this stuff. So. The first thing that that when I watched the show is, yes, it was too decompressed. It was moved. The pacing and where they move things in the story was not like the comic. and And it was disappointing to me because I was like, all right, whatever. This is moving way slower, and, and and we can get there.
0: Why are we waiting to get to where we need to get? It's the reverse of Invincible, where they improved that, and this one they fucking made it worse.
1: And it's convoluted too. Like, oh yeah, the way it's done in the comic is so much more elegant. All right, okay. Um, I have a lot of issues so with this show. So, the, so the, that number one, like the pacing and how things move, it, it 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 like it grinds everything to a halt and it makes it like a boring watch. Okay, it's slow. Then on top of that, they Stephen S. DeNight, or whoever the fucking did this. He doesn't know how to do superhero action. He knows. <sighs> if you ever watch the other fight scenes in this? Yeah, like that are not um, based in superhero powers. Yeah. like where it's just karate and shit yeah. and like whatever. Yeah. they're great. Yeah. Oh yeah. They 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 feel this, but whenever you have to have someone flying and throw energy, yeah.
0: or whatever, it feels like it. People yelling all ah like all that I'm like this is interesting because Steven S. DeKnight has made good shit. He did the first season of Daredevil, and that's what you just said. It has a lot of hand to hand combat. Looks great. This thing is hovering somewhere around a CW show and like titans, but like CW shows have better writing than this fucking show right and some of the effects are questionable i've seen better on the cw so the tone and the look of this and half of it is a fucking 1929 period piece what the fuck
1: well actually the uh, the sets and stuff in 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 the period piece are actually really really nice it's just a lot so let me it's it's very very precise where where it's bad it's bad with anytime there's flying and powers and 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 their makeup department and costume department is terrible.
0: Dude, the dialogue is not good. Some of the dialogue makes no sense these nonsensical lines. Why are you even saying this? The acting is so Poor oh, the, and Paragon is Paragon and Leslie Bibb are terrible, and even the what's who's the big name Josh Duhamel? He's he's all right. Like you need a name. Like even the I mean, who's a fan of Josh Duhamel? I don't know. He's okay, but he's fine. He's fine, like, you know. but he's a little generic. I he, I started to grow into his Utopian. I mean, there's a scene where he's sitting at the therapist, and the reveal is kind of fun. But even it just I don't the the exposition is so clunky. And so heavy-handed, and it, I'm like, get to the fucking island already.
1: Okay, in the comic, the main character is the guy with the mohawk.
0: Oh, that which is, uh, what's his name's kid, the, and and who killed and, uh, who? Uh, who went rogue or went bad? Right. Yes, and Samson's daughter uh.
1: are, are the two stars of the of the comic. Oh, all right, they're getting there. But it took them all the first season but to like, get there. Chloe is
0: just like not a likable person and exactly and, I, and she's annoying. Like her acting is annoying. I don't like it. See, and that's the thing. <laughs> now you've had a whole season <laughs> See like what
1: happens is in the comic she's annoying and then something happens and then she becomes not annoying. And they're going to get to that Do they eventually. They explain
0: the blue fucking drug like she steals this blue crystal no, drug. That's and I'm like, "What is stupid. this? What are you doing? What is it?"
1: no one knows i don't think it's, i don't, <laughs> don't think, think they're it. ever gonna it's ever going to get hot. to it so i don't know it's like it was it's
0: a colossal blunder i'm because, intrigued by the the mohawk guy who's got that thing that can transport him everywhere like the, the tech he's the tech guy that's kind of cool
1: yeah so they're like the kind of it's just
0: they bungled this so bad so basically
1: fuck that show
0: it's a very big
1: disappointment now i'm going to watch it as long as it's on because i'm curious to see what they do with it and it wasn't like it wasn't like beyond watching. It was. It was like it's a little bit of a, a grind. But you know, there's times where I was like, oh, let me see what that next episode. Leslie done. Bibb, uh, yeah. Some of her, some of her acting's really bad. It's no, so Le- why do you think she's not in anything? Because she's not good. And it's
0: hurt. Like they don't even age her up, really. And I'm like, you look exactly the same as you did 90 years ago. No,
1: the worst she's actor, white hair. The worst. They have this this woman. Remember? Do you remember in the fight? Where it's just all she does is scream. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Not yeah. Leslie Bibb. Yeah, yeah. The one with the braids. Yes, yes. She uh, she doesn't do anything but go ah. Yeah, and then knocks everyone back. I'm like, who thought that was good?
0: You know, it's not the actress's
1: fault. No. I guess they let her do that. The director should know. Like, no, that, that does not look good. You know, and
0: there's like a big dramatic moment at the end of the episode with the uh, Utopians kid and Black Star and a big mystery. And here's the thing: is we've just seen all this stuff done. A million times better in Invincible and the Boys. And this isn't adding anything new, really, uh, except for the discussion of like, should you kill if you're a superhero? And when do you start killing?
1: Yeah, I mean, and
0: even that is un- well, it's, un- it's
1: unfortunate that it came out when all the other better stuff right? is already out. Yeah. And I, this is bad
0: for Mark Miller. This is really bad because... It is because, bad, but he has so much shit that they can just be like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. Let's move on to the next thing. Maybe it's better. I don't think they care. I think I don't see how they could care when they made this and put it out and they're like, yeah, we're looking at the boys. We see it. This is good. Let's put this out. What? Well, I think that um,
1: there's something to it, but... And it's the brother thing. It's the brother yeah. thing. It's the... That actor who plays
0: the brother, the the Ben the, Daniels uh brainwave. He's yeah. good. Yeah. He's the, he makes the whole show. He's like the only one. He's kinda like Xavier and Magneto like put together. He's killing it right in that show. Yeah. And he's really good. And you need, and the the guy with the Mohawk's pretty good too. He's not bad. I I like his character, so I'm interested to see the last two episodes. But essentially, Ruggs, for the listener, this is a hard pass. I'm uh I think ah.
1: I can't recommend it. Mm. No. I mean, as I said, if you like Jupiter's Legacy and you want to check out the show, I think you should. Um, I'm very disappointed in it. Like, let's, ha- let's, this is how we fix it. All right. Because what's going to happen in the next season is going to be going to get to hopefully get us to a place where things are really interesting because we're talking about
0: major things happening it still
1: haven't happened. I don't
0: wow. know why they're saving it. Wow. I'm I'm curious about the black star thing and uh I'm going to watch the rest of it and be mad that I watched I wasted this time and not like it, but I'm still going to watch. Well,
1: I don't to tell you the truth, Imran, yeah. like I don't know how they justify what they did. Oh, wow. Like I can't wrap my head around how it works. Like they I don't want to. Can't I don't want to ruin anything. I don't want to say. Don't, don't say, say it. it. Let me
0: watch it. And if it, it, it right. doesn't so, make sense, all, it doesn't make all sense. All I'm saying is that
1: if they did it like the comic, we would be in this place, and it would be elegant, and it would be powerful, yeah. and it would be
0: perfectly fine. I don't think Josh Duhamel can has the fucking gravitas to carry this and make the utopian. Kind of what I don't think it be. matters. No.
1: It doesn't matter. No. Okay, so it's not it, the, the show's not anchoring on him. All right, he's he's there now. That's
0: true. So it needs better kids then.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's not about them. It's about what happens in the future. So, um, but see, I'm not. I don't even care about these fucking kids. Six episodes in. That's what's bad about it. You sp- <clears throat> you're supposed to be on the kids' side. You're supposed to be like, oh, okay, this is all fucked up. We don't know what's up from down and all this stuff. I mean, we're not there. Yeah, I don't care. All we are, all we're at at the end of this is like you see this kind of like, um, like villain monologue. Yeah, and you're like, oh, this is what's going on the whole time. This makes no fucking sense. <laughs>
0: yeah, nice. Why would you do it this way? It's so stupid. Oh, oh, I can't wait to get to that. All right, we'll discuss this more later next week while I so, watch it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say don't watch it Um,
1: unless you want to support Mark Miller and make sure that he, you know, I
0: mean, he's already, they're all in, they're going to make more of his things. It doesn't matter if this thing does yeah. well Is the thing It's Netflix. They're they'll,
1: I mean, look, I just want to say that you can do better. Like, you know, hire, better actors, yes. Hire higher, better s- stunt coordinators for this, for these things. Get rid of whoever's doing the makeup right now and the effects. Cause they're terrible. Yeah. And, um, Yeah, look at the fucking comics and make the action scenes look like that. I mean,
0: I've seen, I've heard better dialogue on fucking The Flash. I mean, there's a fucking
1: fight scene that in the fucking comics that is just fucking brutal. Yeah. And you could only do it in animation. You
0: could never do it. That's why the Invincible season finale was. Yeah. There's no way you could have done that live action. The subway scene in that episode, how are you doing that live action? There's no way. There's no right. one. Okay, let's talk about some good shit. Rugs. I checked out the first two episodes of uh, Snoop Dogg's new Star Wars show on Disney Plus. It's called Bad Batch. Oh, shit. oh! <laughs> you know how long I've been waiting to do that, Joe. Pretty more petty. Bad Bitch. No, Bad Batch on Disney Plus <laughs> about defective. That's what cor- I.
1: Uh, that's what comes out of my dick into the shower. <laughs> it's a,
0: I got, I got, I left a bad batch <laughs> in the shower. You may want to clean that, rinse that off before yeah. you go in there. Bad Batch, Defective Clones, uh, and uh, they premiered with a 75-minute episode one, and now there'll be like eight episodes, 30 minutes, second episode came out. Uh, I fucking dug this. Did you get to watch this?
1: I watched one and a half of The Bad Batch. Okay. Like I, I got to a point where they went to another planet, and they found the other guy there, and then they were trying to get a
0: ship. And then the kid was on the ship. Sounds like Mandalorian. Right. Yeah, was that Mandalorian? And
1: then, I, then I fell asleep.
0: That's the end. That's all that came out. I think. Oh really? Yeah. There's only like two episodes. But what happens when the kid's on the ship? Nothing. It, so in the in the second episode, spoiler alert. Uh, did you get? Did you watch the second where they like leave the kid? They, they send them. No,
1: no, no. They go to the other planet to find the other guy,
0: Omega. Omega.
1: Yeah, Omega's on the thing with them stowing away while they're trying to i
0: guess get captured on
1: purpose for some
0: reason yeah yeah that's actually a fun then, that's a fun sequence yeah omega and then i felt i fell asleep <laughs> after that. i did love how and after at the end of the first one like one of their guys is now kind of reprogrammed and coming after him i love that dynamic so she's basically a um female boba fett oh is she yeah she's smart she knows a lot of things. she's a, she's a clone she's a clone that's right like them yes And she's different. Yeah, she's a different clone. And these guys don't. So, again, in the first episode, spoilers, but they do. You get to see Order 66 from another perspective. And I love every time I see Order 66 in video games. Did it
1: bother you that Kanan's voice didn't change (laughs) and he was like a little kid? So
0: that Caleb is Kanan from Rebels, right? Right. Wow. He was the same voice. I didn't notice that. I'm like, why is this kid's voice like so deep? So he runs (laughs) off. I'm sure that he'll come back uh, uh, later in the season, but I love like Hunter and wrecker and Tick and echo and Omega's fucking Kiwi accent. I'm Omega. It's fucking Australian or New Zealand or whatever. I thought it was a solid setup and I love the characters. I'm going to be watching this. It was fun. Uh, The people in our Facebook group seem to really enjoy it.
1: I mean, it's well done and it's entertaining. Um, I'm not really in love with any of these characters, like as much. I mean, they're they're pretty generic as far as I'm concerned. I know, concerned, but Reckler is like,
0: fun. He's
1: the big guy. Yeah, he's fun. Big guy. But, you know, they're like these standard archetypes. They are. Got it. They are. Got, and got the funny
0: it. thing is they're named, they're named what they do, right? You got Hunter, who's the hunter and the leader. Yeah, it's not It's not really that, that that complicated. Tech is the tech guy. Wrecker is the wrecking guy. Echo is the communications guy. Crossfire is the sniper. It's kind of funny. It would be funny if they had a little bit more
1: personality. I think but we'll see right a little now, bit more, yeah. They, they, they've got to develop it a little
0: bit. But I do like yeah. how when Order 66 happens, they didn't get reprogrammed. It didn't affect them. You know, because they're defective, and everyone's just fucking gunning for Jedi's all of a sudden, and they got to save well, the Jedi.
1: one of them is now not defective.
0: Oh, one of them is, yeah, a little bit. Crossfire, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. They got him, but then now, I love that, because wherever they go, they got to fucking look up for Crossfire <laughs> on their tail. got he so now up he's anywhere. the big bad? Maybe, I don't know, like, yeah. I guess they're, I forget what they're doing. But it is like kind of like a Mandalorian. I like that there's a Grand Moff involved. Oh, Moff uh, <laughs> Tarkin's there. Yeah, you get to see a Moff. I just like sitting Grand in Moff Tarkin is in it. Maybe I don't know. Uh, the, yes, the, the other Moff Rugboy, Moff is. Rugboy, Grand Moff Rugboy. The other thing that I watched that started up again was Mythic Quest on Apple TV Plus. This is, of course, the show like Silicon Valley, but about video game developers with Rob Michelinini from always study in uh Philadelphia. Fucking great show. Uh two uh, two new episodes out. I love I love Mythic Quest. It's so good. It's a good show.
1: Yeah. Well, I haven't watched that
0: either. So I have to watch that and that alien show. The Oh, what's the alien show? Oh, Resident Alien said? with Alan Tudyk yeah. on Sci-Fi. Yes. And then Rugs has something else you're going to have to watch. Out this week, volume 2 of the amazing Netflix animated anthology Love, Death, and Robots. I love the first season. Different animation styles. All about robots and science fiction. Uh, this premieres this Friday, May 14th on Netflix. Eight episode, volume two. And then they'll give you another eight episodes next year. They put out a trailer. And part of this trailer, they cut together all the time. Anybody said fuck in the middle. It goes fuck, fuck, fuck. So... It's a Red Band trailer. Did you see this trailer? <laughs> uh, this- no, I didn't. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, they just put all the fucks together. Again, the animation looks dope. Everything from CGI realistic rendered to, you know, very stylized. Uh, I love the first season, so I'm excited to check this out this week.
1: Hey, I want to go back and watch the first season. Yeah. I'm excited for this one, too. Let's check it out. Hopefully, it's, I get some nice surprises because I saw the trailer and I was like, uh, eh. Doesn't look like there's anything really that crazy in there, but you never know what you're going to get when you.
0: Watch. I mean, they had that amazing like, Pacific Rim Kaiju episode in the first season where they're controlling the monsters and the battle. That was fucking great. Yeah, they had some great ones. They had some really good ones. Anything else you watched or uh, you want to shout out this week, Rux?
1: Um, there is a uh, new commercial for a Godzilla theme park ride.
0: Oh, I did see something about this. What and, does this look um, like?
1: it's just funny because um, you know, Japan hasn't put out anything like any new Godzilla thing. Like that's like realistic. Like they've done cartoons and stuff since um, legendary and Shin Godzilla. And it literally looks like they took legendary Godzilla and like just tweaked it a little bit. And that's their new Godzilla. So we've, we're pretty sure that uh, the movies, the legendary movies, are affecting Japan and their impression of their own.
0: So this is the thing where you zip line into Godzilla's mouth? No, you that's know? not it. That's not oh,
1: it. Which one is this one? New Godzilla ride
0: trailer shows Ghidorah. Here, I want to give you the link. Okay, that's I'm my- seeing this. They got There's Ghidorah. It's like a roller coaster. It's like the Spider-Man ride. Are you seeing the video? Yeah, hold on. Let's see. It's going to be in Japanese. Let's see if we can uh, decipher it. Sounds great. I love everything he said there. It looks like amazing. (laughs) It's exactly what I thought about. No, why is Venom all of a sudden here? So this is a, you're sitting in a moving car and probably like projected screen around you. Is that what's going on? What do you think is going on here?
1: Yeah, in those Disney rides where you go in a thing and it and it, it, it you're you're in like four
0: seats. Yeah, and and they it's bang. moving around. Yeah, it's you're and then yeah, that's all that is. It's just a ride where. But they're promising you're gonna f- fight, get, like in between the battle between Godzilla and King Ghidorah.
1: Yeah, so basically, it's just funny to see that the new version that they're that they designed has a lot of legendary cues from it, and he's bulkier. He looks more like the legendary thing. They. The spikes are, are huge on his back. It's, it's just interesting. I want to ride it. Let's go. How much
0: are the tickets? Do you want to end up in Godzilla's mouth? I want to zip ride into Godzilla's mouth. Yes. <laughs> I want to see his intestine, his digestive tract, the whole deal.
1: I want to see his pancreas. I want to see his
0: pancreas, his spleen, <laughs> his duodenum. I want to see his kidney stones, all that. Let's get your tickets. All right, well, that's it for this week. It's fallopian tubes. It's, wait a minute. Godzilla That's fallopian tubes? Maybe. We don't know. He could be have both organs. Exactly. Godzilla can fuck himself and make more Godzillas. Have fun editing this. <laughs> I will. Rugs, where can the listener find
1: you online? Listen, if you want to contact me, don't do it on Facebook. No? I never look at my Facebook I go on to the group like once a week to see what's going on and you'll feel like that I'm ignoring you and I am. <laughs> Just oh, reach kid. out to me on Twitter at reallyrugboy. Just it's you'll get an instant response if you do that. There one.
0: you go. More immediate. So follow
1: me there and if you want to talk to me about you want me to be on your show and whatever, okay? That's how you ask. Ooh,
0: Rugs is making guest appearances. Follow him on Twitter at Really Rug Boy. Follow. I'm not, but I'm just saying. <laughs> if
1: you want to ask me, and I can tell you no politely, Lame. that's how you do it. There
0: you go. You can follow us on Twitter too, listener at Jock and Nerd uh, Of course, everything we talked about will be in the show notes for this episode. If you need more information, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing, so you get the new show every week. Share this with your geeky and nerdy friends. And uh, we will take over the world, geek boner Thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd podcast. My name is Imran. My name's uh, my name is Red Boy. He's the jerk. <laughs> and He's the turd Jock and Turd, We'll catch you next week. I fucking loved it. The yeah. Anthony liked the show? He did. Ah uh, yes, I see that you know your judo well.
1: This is crazy. This
0: is crazy. This is crazy. Jock and Nerd.